Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening now to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. And thanks to Encycadelli for the previous hour of broadcasting on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au. I'm Iris and I'm d- I'm joined in the studio with Laura McLean, Rotary Woman and Union Organiser. How are you? Hi Iris, I'm good, how are you? I'm alright, a bit tired on this day, on the first day of Daylight Savings, the 6th of October 2019. I'm loving it, I'm all about Daylight Savings, it's my favourite time of year. Awesome. Um, it doesn't really do much. It's time's just a social construct in a capitalist society. Yeah, but still, I like it being darker later, and that's nice. And I get to be in the sun like a lizard. I love the sun. You've sold me. What am I talking about? Um, first, I'd just like to start with an acknowledgement of country that we're broadcasting over the stolen lands of the Kulin Nations, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples here in Melbourne, I'd like to pay my respects to Indigenous elders past, present and future. Um, and I'd like to acknowledge the ongoing resistance by Indigenous peoples on this land. Um, yeah, and I'd like to ask fellow settlers to ask ourselves what we're doing about our presence occupying this country. What are we doing to um, help the, the struggle against these systems that are so violent and oppressive and just from that, um, there's been some news at the Jabberwong Heritage Protection Embassy that has been, um, I'm sure most 3CR listeners are pretty familiar with. Um, it's been some mediation, but the struggle there still continues. It's still very contested. And you can find more about the Jabberwong Heritage Protection Embassy at dwembassy.com and tune in to all the Indigenous shows on weekday, late mornings, the afternoon, Robbie Thorpe and Viv Marlowe, and everyone else, um, like Betty, all those people, amazing people at 3CR, definitely check them out. And the other show I'm involved in, Women on the Line, also on 3CR, we have had some of the audio from the rally that was on September 10. Definitely check that out if you missed the rally. Some amazing speeches um, at the, the rally called By Jabberung Women at outside parliament steps that linked up to the justice for Tanya Day um, campaign as well on that day. Um, so in terms of today's show, it's going to be a bit of a, a looser show, but I'm starting with some news. Um, yeah, another thing that's caught my attention is West Papua. Um, it's been increased violence and crackdown by Indonesian military and militias in the last few weeks, and I definitely recommend if you never listened to Voice of West Papua on 3CR. Check that out Tuesday, 6.30pm to 7.30pm. Um, and definitely figure out how to support or stand in solidarity with West Papuan struggle for their self-determination. Um, so the last sort of news item I have here for listeners is something I'd hope most people know something about, and that is... Um, Melody Poland Bruno, who was on a three-month holiday in Australia, young 
25-year-old Filipino trans woman of color who was murdered allegedly by a man in Wagga Wagga a couple of weeks ago. Um, And, yeah, it's pretty horrible. Um, And Anna Byrne Sydney put out a, like, a statement that was like good on it that talked about some of the systemic issues and a quote from them was we must confront and dismantle the intersecting colonial values of white supremacy classism sexism and transphobia which lay the grounds for melody's death and the many others who have paid for this corrupt and violent system with their lives and that's a quote from Anagbai in Sydney. And there's a vigil in Sydney for Melody hosted by a range of groups, including that group and Transaction Rang Sydney and Anti-Colonial Asian Alliance on Monday, um, Monday evening. And in terms of other ways to support, there's a GoFundMe going around to support the family with um, costs, with funerals and stuff. Um, and there's still a lot of unknowns around what's happening with that. Yeah, pretty devastating news, really. Do we know if there's going to be a vigil in Melbourne as well? Yeah, maybe we can speak about, yeah, linking up with people and trying to get a vigil in Melbourne. Like, I think we should, if not a vigil, at least something, um, because, you know, it it was um, pretty devastating news and I feel like it impacted um, a lot of people in in the trans community and Filipino community um, Mm. as well. Um, yeah, which which there is a large community down here in Melbourne, so we should probably... Yeah, we should definitely... Um, yeah, I think I have some capacity to try and start these conversations and hopefully it'll lead to something. If other people also have some capacity to put something together, um, something to definitely try and get together in the coming few weeks. Um, so in terms about you, Laura, I thought I'd ask... What about some other things about yourself? You do union organising? Yes, so I'm a field organiser with the Finance Sector Union of Australia. I um, came from the shop floor, um, used to work at NAB, and um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on um, at the moment in finance, especially after the uh, Royal Commission that we had last year or early this year. Um, That was a big thing. Um, Yep, so I'm a a field organiser. I'm a proud Wiradjuri woman from New South Wales. Um, being in Melbourne five years now, currently living in Brunswick, um, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, mostly my life is union uh, organising and anti-fascist organising and activism, so it's, it's what I do. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, is that something you, like you've been, like you grew up around, or is it something that at some point you got more and more involved um, so my nana, um, Arnie Coral of um, Mount Druitt, was a um, she was a bit of an activist um, growing up, um, and I lost her um, a few years ago. I was probably fifteen or sixteen um, to cancer, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I, other than her, I, I didn't really grow up around activism um, all that much, and it wasn't until uh, working for NAB um, that I actually discovered uh, what unionism was and is and meant and how all of that worked, um, which, you know, I'm slightly bitter about. I feel like the older generations of unionist um, 
unionists could have done a better job in educating us um, mm. and our generation because there is a there is a lot of misconception uh, around the union movement um a lot of it, a lot of people, I think, in our generation sort of view it as like a form of like insurance for your job or something, which is ridiculous. And it, um, it really de-radicalizes mm. it and takes away, you know, collective power and um, takes away the class consciousness that is what unionism, unionism was built on. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I definitely feel that there's like this, um, yeah, there's all these like, products you get for joining and shouldn't really the focus be around like paying condition and like self-organizing for workers and issues for everyone in communities rather than this like insurance sort of focus 100 percent, and i think the the movement um has sort of overall learned its lesson from um from that insurancey sort of perspective and has tried to go back um, to collective power, but um, I think the movement's really struggling because the damage has sort of already been done. And uh, now when you're organising workplaces, you're trying to mobilise people who didn't join on collective, they joined on, Mm. you know, what's in it for me. And a lot of people don't understand that unionism is something you do, it's something you actively participate in um, in order for it to work. So there's sort of like this mindset of like, well, we pay you to fix a thing. And it's like, you know, you pay me to help facilitate you guys fixing the thing yeah for sure um yeah it really is like one of those things like that things everything starts on those those small conversations to get to the bigger places and yeah and it can seem so intractable to like start on those small conversations around um like the role of like class in a workplace and what we should be doing in terms of management yeah and the consciousness and it, what we grow up around isn't really it sort of erases that reality yeah it does um 100 i really try and focus on whenever i'm recruiting people to join um that they actually have to actively be involved um and it's quite a difficult conversation because um, we live in like such a hyper individualized society at the moment so that people sort of they don't see how they have power like as individuals and you know as individuals they have a tiny tiny little bit of power but they don't yeah just shifting their mind to collective and also helping people understand um the relationship between labor and profit and what profit actually is and how it comes about. And it comes about through um, their labor and, and them every, every task that they do at work, every, every time like they come in, every time they speak to a customer is generating profit for the bank, for example. Um, so make, uh, getting people to understand that they are the profit generators is really difficult as well because, you know, they sort of view it as uh, no, it's the execs and it's the higher-ups and they make the tough business decisions and the investments. Mm. But it's like, well, actually, you doing the work does the profit and if you will stop doing the work, um, then their profit motive is threatened and, yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of banks, at the moment I am seeing a lot of ANZ ads on Facebook spruiking their Mardi Gras grants. Oh. What do you make of this sort of pinkwashing? And for those unfamiliar with that term... That's like institutions branding themselves as something that seems progressive, like LGBTIQ friendly at a time that the institution also um, sort of exploits and is oppressive towards those very same people. 
I'm glad you asked me this because I have so many opinions. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about maybe more so NAB with Midsummer um, as opposed to ANZ um, because, uh, yeah, they're both basically the same thing. But, um, look, I find it very frustrating. Um, the... The workforce in finance, um, there's a lot of queer people who work in finance, like a mm. lot. And the banks are really good at coming up with these um, campaigns, shall we call them, strategic marketing campaigns, is um, is how I'll refer to them, um, which, which really sort of de-radicalizes and takes away a lot of the power from their queer workforce. NAB, for example, has a Pride at NAB committee uh, network and uh, and sort of the purpose of the Pride at NAB committee from what I can understand it's not well it's not really a committee first and foremost because it's not um, people don't have equal voting rights and um, uh, decision making powers so I, I don't know if we can really call it a committee but let's just say it's a committee but um, sort of the purpose from what I can gather of this committee is to come up with like nice campaigns you know like nice like little things that they can do in the workplace like representation at best is what I'll call it um, and maybe generating some awareness but the campaigns are structured, uh, the committees are structured in such a way where there's not actually any real power uh, for the queer workers there. Like, um, being part of that committee and being queer, I really feel, is a way to placate workers um, without giving them any avenue of um, forcing real or positive change in their workplace. Um, it doesn't really help uh, with anything industrially. We are campaigning at the moment, so... The NAB Enterprise Agreement um, just ex uh, is expiring this month, or just expired? No, it just expired, um, and we're currently in the process of renegotiating the Enterprise Agreement. One of our, um, and NAB will also, which is worth noting, NAB will be the first of the big four banks to actually renegotiate an Enterprise Agreement after the Royal Commission, so mm. what comes out of this is really going to set the industry standard for finance, um, because the other banks will follow so it's really important that we get some good stuff in there but we're campaigning very heavily for transition leave um, in the current enterprise agreement as well as um, campaigning to make uh, family leave and carers leave and parental leave all more accessible and equal and make sure that they have coverage over all types of families um, because we know in the mm. community a lot of us have a chosen family um, yeah. whereas NAB tends to view carers leave uh, very specifically through the lens of, like, blood relatives or legal family. Um, so we're campaigning mm. to get a few things in there. Um, and this is how you actually make real change. It's through engaging with those queer workers and them working together in union to apply pressure on the banks to get those things through. Being part of a Pride at NAB committee that helps, you know, get volunteers to help out at midsummer for some, you know, campaign marketing stuff to make NAB look good doesn't do that. It doesn't actually help the material circumstances of the workers. The same goes for ANZ and, you know, their um, their Mardi Gras sponsorship. Um, I, I did an interesting thing um, and went to a presentation by ANZ that showed the 10 years of uh, LGBTI activism from ANZ and it was literally just every year that they've been at Mardi Gras. 
Um, and there are some great mm. people who I know who I am quite close with who work at ANZ and who are part of the queer community and are trying to make positive change and stuff within the organisation, not only for their staff, but for customers as well who might be queer. But I feel like working within the um, structures of the organisation or of the business um, aren't really helping to progress any of that further. So, yeah, I have a lot of opinions. My main issue with um, with the pinkwashing of ANZ and NAB um, getting yeah. involved in queer stuff is that it just takes the power away. Corporations are not our friends. Mm. They didn't help win marriage equality. People won marriage equality through activism and real campaigning and by hitting the streets. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and all, this, all this discussion is reminding of me of an article um, that talks about LGBTIQ, like working class politics. I read a few number of years ago by Amber Holloway and Margot Weiss called Queer Precarity and the Myth of Gay Affluence. And I thought I just, I was actually looking at this this morning, so I think I'll read a quote from it and see how, if there's anything that resonates with you with it. Um, and, quote, LGBT people are typically depicted as affluent consumers with high disposable incomes, yet this is hardly the norm. The majority of LGBTQ people are poor or working class women and people of colour who struggle to get a job or hold on to one to pay their rent and to care for themselves and the people they love. Yet the reality remains unseen by mainstream LGBT activists in allied movements, including and activists and allied movements, including the progressive and activist labour movements of which we are a part. The myth of LGBT affluence is particularly destructive for labour organisers because LGBTQ people make up a disproportionately high number of the people in many low-wage sectors. It means that much of what the labour movement never... It means that much of the labour movement never has to see what who, who they are organising or reaching. It renders queer class and race issues invisible or non-existent in the movements in which we participate, leaving us more vulnerable in our jobs and workplaces, apartments, shelters, streets, and neighbourhoods targeted by homophobia and transphobia as it weaves throughout our lives. The myth allows both the LGBT and the labour movements to overlook the rising queer precariat. End quote um, from Queer Precarity and the Myth of Gay Affluence. Um, I guess thinking about that and seeing like a lot of the ma- the mainstream representation it's like yeah very like upwardly mobile like like have no problems with like yeah it was like money or things like that yeah um i i would agree with that um pretty much completely like there there is an issue um perpetuated by mainstream media that um is a queer community is somehow separate from um, class struggle that was separate from the uh, faster working class. Um, and it does um, cause a lot of issues when we know that that's not the reality. Um, it, it might be the reality for some, and, and those few are the ones um, that the media likes to uh, use and, and, and perpetuate that. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's sort of, um, again, you know, working towards that de-radicalisation. Um, a good comrade of mine, Austin, um, recently did um, went into some training um, at the ACTU, Australian Council of Trade Unions, 
and to talk to um, some unionists about, um, you know, queer struggle and class struggle and how they intertwine um, to help dispel some of those um, myths and ideas. And I, I feel like the trade union movement broadly is pretty on board with that and has been for quite some time um, historically. <laughs> um, we can see that they understand the the basic concepts of solidarity and my struggle is your struggle. Um, but I think it's really important that the trade union movement makes it makes a more concerted effort to include um, queer people in their activism. We know that the trade union movement spearheaded the Yes campaign here in Victoria, um, but actually making unionism accessible um, for queer voices and elevating those queer voices, I think, is very important and is something that although the broader movement is trying to do, there's still a lot of work that can be done to make it better. Because especially in our generation, as I mentioned um, pre earlier with our uh, basic lack of understanding of what unionism is, um, there is also this other narrative that um, the union movement are full of mean, homophobic, transphobic, racist mm. thugs, um, which has also been perpetuated by the media. So they perpetuate this idea of um, this, you know, affluent gay community yeah. that doesn't really exist. And also this idea of like thuggish backwards unionists, which also doesn't really exist. And it really it is very effective in separating both. Um, so we really need to work um, better towards making it, I guess, dispelling those myths. Yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, and it's been disappointing that not sure that the We Are Pride Union thing is running anymore, or is it? Uh, I haven't heard much from it. Um, no official... Um, my understanding is there's been no official word on We Are Union Pride from the Victorian Trades Hall Council. Um, however, I do know that nobody's working specifically within the We Are Union Pride space. Um, and I was quite disappointed to find that out um, after, I think it was after the election. Um, yeah, because I think that was a really good space um, that needed a lot more resources and work. It was under-resourced in, in the start anyway yeah. um, and under-promoted. Um, yeah, so it's not like they've officially cancelled it. It's more like they've just sort of stopped mm. resourcing it. Yeah which is which is a big shame there's also like this whole thing it's like oh marriage equality yeah. was one there's, <laughs> there's no need for any everyone's oh equal gosh. now yay we're all the same how good is that the, the gays are fine <laughs> meanwhile mm. leaving all of the rest of us to the wayside which is yeah disappointing yeah I, yeah I think on on that, there was a way that the whole campaign was run that presented that as, like, the ultimate issue for everyone that obviously, like, erased people that are critical of the institution of marriage and also erased that it isn't the important issue, most important issue. Of every, like, grassroots queer thing I've gone to, it hasn't... Marriage hasn't been a central issue. Um, but anyway. <laughs> it, it definitely hasn't been a, a central issue in, in my circles either. Like, you know, it's important and, like, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you know, that we won it. Um, but there's, there's so much more that needs focusing on. Um, and I think, you know, to, yeah, and there's ways that this also ties into the whole affluent gay narrative as well. Mm. Um, because 
Those are the ones that matter, and those are those are the ones that were displayed in the media during the campaign. And trans people were really thrown under the bus as well, especially by like Change.org. So it's, yeah, but it's, get was up, what was, get up, run that ad. Oh, that, get up, yeah, yeah, get up, run it, yeah. The first response said, "Well, yeah, all those major institutions were pretty quiet about directly tackling transphobia yeah. and racism. Yeah, it was really bad, and I think that really ties into like what's marketable, affluent, normal." queers, you know, um, uh, existing within the confines of acceptable society, and that's a very marketable thing, and that's why it was, I guess, what was fought for. Uh, Yeah, I I have feelings. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, And if you're just tuned in, you're tuned into 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au, on digital radio and on demand at 3cr.org you as well forward slash querying the air um and on that note i was thinking like every so often there's there's this um there's this news article about lgbtq like mental health and how like the marriage debate is damaging for mental health and like now it's with religious freedom discrimination debate is damaging and it's like like the frustrating thing i find about that is like it's never really talked about that like things like housing, employment, and healthcare are damaging to like our mental health. It's like always like it's a particular issue that gets foreground and other things aren't so much. Are you like referring to stuff like Are You Okay Day? Um, <laughs> Is yeah, that just, a good analogy? I'm just re- referring to all these things, and also I'm not like the greatest proponent of birth certificates as like something that's going to solve our problems because there's all these material things as you've been mentioning about like working in shitty jobs that um and that's like something that needs to change yeah we need to build like power yeah (laughs) that's my line (laughs) you stole your line you stole my line it's my favorite line um yeah i mean it's yeah, like, real structural change is what's needed. But I'm also, like, I don't know, I'm really torn. Like, the, real- the reality is there's not a revolution coming anytime soon, no. unfortunately. Um, and although real structural change is needed, um, I, think it's, I think it's really important um, to also be aware that, like, better is better. You know, there's a lot of... I find, like, in a lot of activist circles, there's this, like all or nothing mentality. Hmm. And that can be like equally as damaging as well because if it's if it's not all, then we're not gonna do anything to improve the material conditions or concerns of like anyone. I don't really know like what the answer is. There's so there's so many issues that need like focusing on. Um I guess we just sort of like have to take like the small wins and but like just keep pushing. I don't know. I don't. I don't have an answer. I don't, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think, um, because yeah, there is so many big structural systemic things that all that is possible without a lot more like power. Our small wins, and we shouldn't underestimate our capacity to like collectively like fight and like have like small wins. Um, yeah, for sure. That's like another way of like demoralizing ourselves if we just like like are in this like my miasma of like everything's um like like unchangeable it's also embedded like there's ways 
communities like resist and of like one small wins forever. Yeah. I think it's just, yeah, focusing on small wins. I don't, yeah, I don't think the all or nothing mentality is helpful. But I think we also have to keep in mind with everything that we're campaigning for, everything that we're doing, every small win we're trying to make, what is it building towards? And always keeping in mind, how does this build power and how does this empower other people? You know, um, because that can go very sort of overlooked as well. We can get really focused on, like, this one thing as activists and, like, you know, we have to do this one thing. But um, And we can argue, like, all day about tactics and stuff, but, you know, it's what is what is this working towards and how does this build power? Yeah, for sure. Um, and you're tuned into Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris here with Flora in the studio. It's going to chuck on a track view vision by Electric Fields. Stay tuned to 3CR.
You're listening to 3CR Radio. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR Code and follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR funded by the City of Yarra. And you're tuned into Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au and on demand and podcasted also at that website. Um, yeah, I'm Iris here with Laura in the studio. Um, we talking a bit about, I guess, um, union organising class um, and continuing that vein... Um, I think there's an action coming up that you're involved in with the that's in regards to Metro Trains, who are currently the, they're the they're the corporation that runs a network rather than the government. It's being privatised here in Melbourne, and the workers there are seeking like much better conditions and pay. Yeah, um, so there's been an ongoing um, dispute between Metro Trams, uh, Metro Trains, and uh, RTBU members um, over their uh, current enterprise uh, agreement negotiations. Um, one of the main things um, that are that are of concern to Metro Train drivers and Metro Train staff is um, the. Uh, Metro Trains wish to pursue a specialised um, <laughs> sort of like basically what they're wanting to do, which is really silly and just won't work, is Metro want um, their train drivers to be specialised train drivers. And what that means basically is that, you know, you over here, Bob, for example, you're only going to be doing the um, the upfield line. You're going to drive up and down the upfield line for your whole shift. You're only ever going to do the upfield line. Um, and that's it. And obviously for different lines, I'm just saying upfield because I live in Brunswick. But um, mm. this is this is going to cause uh, real issues. Um, what train drivers are saying, um, they're saying that the monotony and the repetitive repetitiveness um, of doing that is A, going to um, impact their mental health. B, it's going to make it more dangerous for commuters and drivers um, as well. Because, you know, when you're sort of just operating on autopilot, you know, more mistakes happen, you know, you might press a button at the wrong time or something, and that's actually going to impact a lot of people's safety. Um, So there's a few things going on with that. I can't talk too much more about um, the other stuff, uh, mainly because I'm not as well informed as I'd like to be, but also um, for legal stuff, and we don't want to jeopardise their their bargaining. Um, but what's happening is I think a decision is coming out from Fair Work or an application is going into Fair Work on Monday, October 14th. Um, so what um, we're currently organising and, and what we're hoping to um, get is our volunteers to come out to every single metro train station, at least 100 metro train stations across uh, Melbourne, um, and hand out uh, materials from 7.30am to commuters, um, 
encouraging them to support their drivers who are getting them to work safely that day. Um, yeah, so if you'd like to get involved um, and help out, reach out to We Are Union or Victorian Trades Hall Council, and they'll let you know what train stations near you uh, need people. Um, yeah, I personally am doing Anstey train station. If anyone wants to come along, it'll be really fun. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's sort of what's happening with Metro at the moment. Yeah, cool. Um, and another thing that's been in the news lately that's been hitting the headlines is um, all this, the struggle in Hong Kong, which isn't something I'm like well informed that well informed about and definitely check out the shows on 3CR like Accent of Women have covered that um but one of the things with the Hong Kong struggle is Metro is 60% owned by MTR Corporation which is based in Hong Kong and I'm just been thinking about yeah like if we had like big upsurges in Hong Kong we'd have the same corporation here shutting down trans shutting down transport and like um sort of stifling like organizing by shutting down public transport and that's pretty scary like when that happens yeah this is an issue like you should not just this is this is a reason why you should not um privatize public services like and especially really important services like public transport like everybody needs access to that so the fact that it was privatized in victoria in the first place is like unbelievable to me um you know being from new south wales mm. i assumed all like trains and stuff which is owned by the state government and down here i found out it's not and when you when you privatize something you attach a, a profit motive to it um, it also makes things less safe for commuters because safety takes a backseat, um, efficiency takes a backseat. They just want to see how much like money they can save. Um, so yeah, just if you think privatiz- privatization is a good thing, it most definitely isn't. <laughs> no, it's like good for the bosses that run those corporations and like people who trade in those stocks. And that's like that. Uh, I'm just going back to the whole like um, mythology around like Bob Hawke and Paul Keating and the accord in terms of workers can get into superannuation and then like workers get the profits of corporations they made workers like uh, the the whole yeah that's another topic that I just yeah look I'm not touching the the accords um because it's it's a very um contentious topic within the trade union movement Mm. I I definitely have opinions um (laughs) but for the sake of keeping my job I might not might not air those on air (laughs) yeah um moving to a different topic um did appear in QR code that's another podcast on 3CR, which is out on In Your Face, I think. So definitely check out QR Code to listen. Um, I haven't listened to it. <laughs> yeah, it was an episode around, like, intimate partner violence in, like, queer communities. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's that. So if you're in the right space, listen to that one. Um, and we also saw a report come out that half of trans and gender diverse people are survivors of violence, um, sexual violence and harm. Um, and yeah, so this is like a massive, massive top, massive area. And there's been like the services that more recently be funded, like we deserve and other things here in Victoria. Um, and it's, yeah, really concerning because we've seen it, we see it play out in terms of murder, murders of trans women of colour, like often by people, men that they know. Um, 
and we see it play out in terms of like the oppressive hierarchies of desirability politics as well in terms of who is seen as like more desirable and like disposable in relationships um so real and really just opening up a big can of worms opening up that topic um yeah lots of worms there iris (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so in terms of What's what do you find? Do you find that that's obviously an impact to your life? A fucking lot of language warning. Yeah, language warning. <laughs> <laughs> there might there might be some some swearing, <laughs> especially with this topic. <laughs> um, yeah. What what was the question? <laughs> um. Yeah, just around desirability politics um. desirability politics now this is like something what are your thoughts this, this is well desirability politics is, is a new word for me like i'm, I'm familiar with uh, respectability politics oh, okay um and stuff but i i guess i can just sort of like deduce is that a word i can figure out what that means i think do, do you want to just give me like a definition though so i know what i'm working with <laughs> sorry it's in terms of um like the beauty standards and we have yeah we have these particular like like white cis beauty standards and you also even another thing i was thinking about is you have very particular like white trans beauty standards that are all orientated around look at the most popular websites when you google something and it's a very narrow idea around around gender and race and what's seen as like desirable and yeah. yeah. Um, and thinking about how that is used to police, that can be used to police, like, in- police people inside trans communities as well. I think it actively does police people within inside trans communities. Um, I struggled with it um, quite a lot personally, actually. Um, you know, <laughs> there's, there's all this um, pressure coming from um, everywhere, especially when I first started transitioning. Um, you know, like, if you're not, like, femi enough, then you get, like, shat on by, like, older trans women. Well, this is just my experience in New South Wales. Um, The the trans support groups I were part of were not very supportive. Um, There's also, like, a whole heap of, like, um, what's that word called where they're, like, you have to medically transition to transition. Yeah, you're talking about true scum. Yeah, like, true scummy people. Oh, so many of them. Um, Which, yeah, is, like, an issue. So, like, you get that, like, if you're not femi enough, like, you're not really trans, like, you know, and then on on the flip side, you get, like, um, this criticism as well from, like, cis people saying if you're not femi enough, then you're not really trans, but if you are really femi, then, you know, you're a poor parody of a real woman um, and stuff like that. And so you're sort of, like torn and you know there's like this whole like you know trans women are just men in dresses and it's like actually i like what like you know torn skinny jeans and like Mm. t-shirts um i don't know but for me it's taking me like and i think i'm still figuring out my gender expression but getting way better at it um you know i like to be like a little bit femi but i don't have to be femi like either and i like to have like a sick like sea green colored mullet and like you know, it's, it's, yeah, there's so much policing, like, from the cis community around, you know, 
what is desirable and, you know, what we should be, you know, working towards and the whole gross concept of, like, passing, you know, and stuff. But it's also, like, within... It's coming from within the house as well. I I don't really have any solutions on how to tackle it or anything, um, but I think it is weaponized and used to justify the violence against us or if not justify, you know, at least downplay the violence that we face. Like, if we're not passable enough, you know, then we just, then, you know, it's expected that what will, like, freak people out. But if we are really passable, then we're tricking people and then, Mm, you know, we deserve to get murdered for it. Like, where is the line? Like, you just can't win. And I used to try really hard to win. (laughs) And now I just don't really give a fuck, so... I'm really glad we put that language warning in there. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely relate to that. And it was just the other, the week, someone was like, to me, are you still Iris? Because I'm, because I've become like less like stereo, like whatever, like my gender presentation is slightly different or I wasn't wearing a dress for a day. And it's like, I'm just like... (laughs) (laughs) Are you still Iris? Do you know that women are supposed to wear dresses (laughs) 24-7? (laughs) <laughs> yeah and if they, you don't wear a dress you're not a woman yeah um exactly that's and that's like anyway i'm not gonna i'm just gonna say that's the whole thing like turfs throw it as well but i won't get into that um you've been listening to queering the air on 3cr community radio i'm iris and i've been joined with laura um i hope you've enjoyed the show today and i'll scramble all over the place there um it wasn't very structured was it <laughs> That's all right. It's been a, it's good to have unstructured conversations more sometimes as well. I've had fun. Yeah, same. And I just, one other thing I was going to shout out to was the 12th of October on Saturday, there's a, um, there's a, like a, a march that is against abortion and there's a counter march. So that's next week at 12.30 p.m. You can find one of the counter march pages at Facebook under My Body, My Choice, protest against March for the Babies. Um, stay tuned next for Hip Sister Hop with DJ Abyss. Definitely tune in for that. It'll be a great hour and a half now, I think it is, because of scheduling program changes on 3CR. Um, stay tuned for that. Do you have anything else to shout out to? Um, oh, shit. Um. <laughs> No, I don't think so. Um, just shout out to all my wonderful queer, non-binary and trans union babes in the movement. Keep fighting. You know who you are. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.